0: Hi, I'm Dr. Brad Kopsar, and this is the Wellness Method Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to jump right in here. Uh, last week, we talked about epigenetics and how you, what that means, how it can change your health and use that to your advantage. And today I'm going to uh, touch a little bit, we're going to go a little bit back towards the DNA and the brain, slightly touch on that again. But I want to answer the question for you guys today, why do marathon runners have heart attacks and even strokes? Okay, we've all sort of heard the stories of the marathon runners who they have no body fat, they're very physically fit, right? They look great. And then one day, just fall over from a heart attack. There's actually some very famous people. One of them was Jim Fix. He, this was in the '80s, I believe. He actually wrote books on running marathons. So, why does that happen? That's something we'll come to. But I just want to start by uh, looking a little bit about your met- talking a little bit about your metabolic age. There's no reason why your 20s needed to be your peak years when it comes to your health and vitality. Okay, your metabolic age can stay in your 20s for three, four, or even five decades. I am 56. My metabolic age, I tested it yesterday, is 30. I want to get it back down in the 20s. (laughs) I felt really good in the 20s. That's going to take a little bit of work, but yeah. So where does this metabolic age come from? Well, There is a a huge government study that's called the NHANES study that's been going on since the 1970s. It's the National Health and Nutrition Study. And it's had tens of thousands of people go through the study. And and what they've done, they've they've collected all kinds of data and, and different markers of health in this study. But one of them is the metabolic age. So they've looked at all these people at different ages and uh, measured their metabolism, and they found that this is what the average is for a 25-year-old. This is what the average is for a 30-year-old, or 40, or 50, 60, 70, all the way up to 100. There's not as much data in the uh, 100-year-old category, of of course, but this is uh, where this comes from. So, uh, yeah, your metabolic age can stay in your 20s, even when you're in your 50s and 60s. But in order to do that, you must stop... you know, practicing the mistakes that prevent ageless living and cause metabolic syndrome. These repeated mistakes eventually make damage, uh, recovery, and, and rejuvenation of your metabolism impossible. So, you know, it's gut-wrenching for me to see a person walk through our door that come into my my wellness center, who is just too far gone, um, to be able to reverse their pain and, and, and their health. Sadly, they've allowed just too much damage to take place for too long. And I've, I'm, I will never underestimate the healing power of the body. I've seen people come back some from some crazy, crazy places in their health and, and just, you know, amazed to see what the body can do. Now for a lot of people, I, I can, I can make them comfortable. I can, um, I can re- return their, um, I can re- return their health to a, a pretty functional place. But it's hard, it's hard. And I, I'll never get used to serving these troubled people, seeing their, their faded hopes um, for their health, especially when they give up. And, and it's hard to see, you know, we do have people, we, we have a very high success rate, 95% success rate in our program, but there are those few people that, they give up and they just, they're just they not willing to do the work that it need, they need to do in order to succeed. And it's heartbreaking. And I'm no wimp, but my heart is heavy at night when I've examined these people and, and listened to their stories of anguish. And I just wish it could be different for them. I wish I, that they could find a way to value their health as much as I do. Because I always tell people I could have the best program on the planet. But if you don't value your health at least as much as I do, then it doesn't matter. I mean, you really should value your health more than I do. But for some people, they they just don't, and they don't get it until they fall into a crisis, and sometimes it's too late. There was one person who came to see me. I'll I'll never forget this gentleman came in with his wife, and he was in a he was in a really bad way, and. Um, but he was excited. He was. He had hit a point where he's like, "I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to change. I want to get my health back." And he was excited. He was. He was like bouncing off the walls in my in my office as we were talking and going through uh, what you know what the plan was going to be for his health. Uh, I always start with labs, so I was I was sending him home for labs first, and um, he he came in and, and and signed up and and died that night. And uh, his wife called. I don't. I guess it was. It was probably maybe a week later or something like that. It, she didn't. We weren't. Um, we were not the first pe- person on her list for, for her to call. But it was devastating because this guy was really excited to, and and I felt so confident that he was just going to do great. And when people come in to see me, and they're in a very sick way. It's hard to see them, but there's a part of me that gets super excited because I know that when they're in that bad a shape, I'm, I know they're going to turn their health around. I'm, I've just seen it so many times and time and time again. And it's exciting to me because you know the power, the impact it's going to have for them on their life and, and changing their life is going to be so powerful and it's going to influence so many people around them. They're gonna inspire people around them, whether they like it or not. Okay, when when people make changes in their health, it inspires others, and that's one of the ways that we talk about sharing your bright light, is to be able to help others um, change their health and turn their health around as well. So we take the gift of health for granted, and the problem is that these broken souls have been accepting a slowly diminishing quality of life for years, maybe even decades. They've been riding this slow-moving conveyor belt to misery and suffering that leads to pit, the pits of despair. And in truth, their quality of life began slipping from their grasp with a lot of forewarning. Okay, so now their future or maybe their present contains things like fatigue, hormone issues. They have, I've had people on oxygen support come in to see me. Or they're on walkers from just, you know, disabling or, or crippling arthritis, brittle bones, and, and, um, and other people. Scars from heart surgery, gastric bypass, seen quite a few of those. And, and even the horrors of the life-altering devastation of radiation or chemo- chemotherapy. And all of these things, for a lot of people, lead to financial ruin. Okay, now you get the medical fees, the high drug costs, the assisted living expenses. Uh, You get the idea. Okay, so this picture contains a future that I think most people would prefer to avoid. Um, But it's a depiction of the state of our public health. And all you have to do is look at the people around you. Some of these images, most people, I, I, I think most people know at least one person who is in this place where they have somebody who's taking care of them, okay? All right, let's, let's move on to uh, another topic. Calories in and calories out is not king. There is a law of therm- thermodynamics that states the change of internal energy of a system equals the heat added to the system minus the work done by the system. That's a pretty fancy way of saying that a calorie is a measure of energy, and when we consume too much energy and not burn it off we gain fat. And this is true, but this is also old school thinking and it's been used for the past 50 years. Um, and it's kind of led to where we are with our health here in America and where we have this, you guys know what we have. Um, so let it leaves out an important part of the equation and that is anti-nutrients. Okay, anti-nutrients, I call them that because food is either nutritional or it's not. There's no gray area, all right? It, it's, it's either going to reduce inflammation or it's going to um, increase inflammation. There's kind of nothing in between. It, it's either, you know, if it's an anti-nutrient, it's going to lead to sickness and disease. And if it's a nutrient, it's going to improve your health. Um, and in the aesthetics of how you look, so and feel. So why do marathon runners have heart attacks and strokes? Okay, so this is uh, this is coming from anti-nutrients. Okay, and they promote inflammation, which now creates inflammation of your heart, and that is what triggers heart attacks, stroke. Um, stroke happens as well when you have inflammation of your blood vessels. Okay, your arteries and your veins. And you can't run away, you can't uh, cycle away, and you can't swim away in inflammation. You know, there, you can't exercise away your bad eating habits. And in fact, people try to work so hard in, in the gym to overcome their 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 eating habits and lifestyle choices. And it, there's a point where exercise creates more inflammation. I mean, you can definitely do too much exercise. And, and now it, it's actually increasing the problem and they will actually not lose weight because they're exercising too much and they'll actually gain weight. So pretty crazy to think of, but yeah, that, that can happen. They look at all, you know, look at all the sweat I'm doing. Look at all this. My shirt is soaked for my workout. I'm, I, I'm burning lots of calories. Yeah, but you're going to put those all back on in the first meal that you have back. Okay. Maybe you burn 400 calories big deal. You're going to eat that in the next meal and it's coming right back on. The most important thing about it is how are those calories being stored? Are they being stored as fat or is they be, are they being stored as muscle? So anti-nutrients also trigger behavioral issues that cause overeating. Okay. Did you ever eat an entire bag of chips and not feel full? That's a lot of calories, right? But those types of calories don't Relay a sensation of fullness messages to the brain. So you can eat over a thousand calories and still not be satisfied. And some people are more prone to these issues, which makes it even harder because it's in their DNA. But the good news is we can test this, right? We can look at the DNA and see if you have this, um, this risk. Some people can eat some bread and have no issues while others it triggers intense cravings, fatigue, etc. Right? So it makes them more prone to gaining body fat because they go off track and uh, when they, w- because they're tired um, from the effects of the, of the bread and now they give in to their cravings. Okay? Right? That's right when we get tired, we get weak. Our discipline gets weak and eating certain foods makes us mentally weak. So then we become more susceptible to those bad habits. I want to talk a little bit about insulin. This is one of the hunger hormones. We talked about hunger hormones a couple episodes ago. I didn't go into insulin though. um, So I want to talk about that one today. Uh, Stabilizing your blood sugar to prevent insulin spikes is one of the most important factors in fat burning and that feel good and look good factor. So many people walk around feeling sluggish, they have sweet tooth cravings, they've got brain fog, they've got hunger that's out of control. So many more people struggle to just have energy at the end of the day and feel good so that they can do the things they love with the ones we love, right? We all know someone like this, maybe it sounds familiar to you. Eating the wrong types of foods, your macronutrients, right, your carbs, your fats, your proteins, can trigger inflammation, And this is going to cause blood sugar to become unstable, and your metabolism is going to shift into that fat-storing metabolism instead of that fat-burning metabolism that we all want. So this is far more destructive to people who have a high sensitivity to certain macronutrients, and it will lead to insulin resistance and diabetes, especially if you have that high sensitivity to carbs, carbohydrates. At the end of the day, is calories in and calories out important? Yes, but it's not king. Health is king. The journey to health and wellness is easier when you set your body up with the right environment. So when you can read your genetic blueprint, or your doctor can, you can strategize with your DNA to counteract those less fortunate genes which cause you to be more prone to overeating, rapid weight gain, difficulty losing weight, um, all of these things that create symptoms of sickness, which eventually that's the that's just the step in between to chronic disease. When we use a science-based approach to wellness, we can develop a very clear, reproducible, and repeatable plan for success. Okay, that's what the scientific process allows us to do. We know that, you know, this has been tested and this method works because we've done it on 100 people okay and we got the same results a science-based approach constructs the right environment for your biology so you get the win to be honest most people fail because they really just don't understand the reasons why they're actually failing this is one of the many reasons why i'm so passionate about dna programming um in into our 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 health um, program here at the wellness method it's not It's not just about living with bad genes or accepting failure. It's about learning to work with the cards you've been dealt so you can win the game, win that card game, which is your life. Cracking the DNA code for overeating. In America, metabolic syndrome is a leading cause of chronic disease. It's a contributor to so many things. And it can be caused by poor communication from your gut to your brain. Okay, so this is a genetic issue that many people are just not aware of. They're not aware of how much food they're actually consuming because they have a poor communication system from their gut to their brain. I'm one of those people. And at least 50% of the hundreds of people I've tested over the last between three and four years now that I started doing the DNA testing, they're at a high risk for overeating, and they have issues with that gut to brain communication. Now, it doesn't mean it's a helpless situation or you're just a hopeless cause. It's It just means that getting the testing done is going to reveal a strategy, okay? You can crack your DNA code and have light, you know, turned on in the darkness so that you can uncover the little tweaks that are needed. And these little tweaks make a world of difference and, and it changes lives. The DNA profile really helps me read between the lines so I can understand what's going on with, with each of my patients and this is where we can get to a point to help you thrive instead of feeling stuck or frustrated. Uh, I want to talk about another genetic. Um, this, is, this is another DNA test that we can do. It's, it, it's looking at the starvation response. Uh, so intermittent fasting has become a pretty um, popular trend, I guess, right now. And it's become popular for good reason. It's very effective for some people, <laughs> right? So, just so that uh, those of you who don't know what intermittent fasting is, it's a fasting window where you you just don't eat for a certain period of time, and then you have an eating window um, where you where you do your eating, and you and you keep to that same time period every day. Um, As I said, fasting is trending high right now in the diet and fitness industry, and there's a lot of benefits. realized when it's, first of all, done correctly, and it's done with strategies that align with your DNA, because you can very easily damage your metabolism if it doesn't align with your DNA, and that's going to affect your hormones. So now, again, you're going back into fat storing instead of fat burning. So we did discuss uh, hunger hormones a couple episodes ago um, and how some people have challenges when it comes to that, right? And that's okay. No one has perfect genetics, right? Um, We just need to learn how to deal with them. So for some, it might appear that intermittent fasting is a no-go unless they understand their, their DNA and the implications it can have on intermittent fasting. My body, for example, quickly slips into starvation mode. And what that means is if I, go into, if I go long periods without eating, it is going to shift me into fat storing very quickly. This also, I get this other um, fun DNA trait where my uh, hunger hormones are also overactive. So it makes it more difficult for me to stay disciplined Because those hunger hormones cause intense cravings and hunger. On top of that, as I mentioned already, it slows down my metabolism. So now my body stores more fat even though I am in a caloric deficit. Even though I'm limiting limiting my calories, my body goes into fat storing. So how does knowing my DNA change this for me? Well, it means I can control the triggers uh, for for my cravings, my um, fatigue... Um, other things like bloating, acid reflux, joint pain, and so on. So if I eat a typical breakfast in America, who remembers breakfast in America? Supertramp circa 1983. Remember the logical song? Well, DNA is singing the logical song. <laughs> because if I eat a typical breakfast in America, I will spike my blood sugar and my insulin will follow. My blood sugar then crashes and maybe even drops below normal, so now I get all those symptoms that I just mentioned, right, the bloating, cravings, all that, and then I get hungry again, and then the vicious cycle continues, and hello, intense cravings. All of this is going to make it much harder for me to stay on a healthy lifestyle track, and anybody who's got a DNA that's set up that way, and that's going to set me up for frustration, guilt beating myself up, so now I get sick, heavy, and overweight, and depressed. And then I turn to, guess what, comfort food, (laughs) right? So again, the cycle just keeps going. So this is not how life is meant to be, right? We are not given life to suffer and struggle. We are here to shine our bright light with those people around us. And if you're walking around carrying all this sickness, carrying all these burdens, it's going to dim your light. I don't care who you are. It's going to, it's going to weigh on you. And sometimes when people feel this way for a long time, they start to accept that this is just how my life is. This is just, I'm going to be, this is, you know, I guess this is what I have to do. So I just want to encourage you, never accept this for your life. Because when you do, it's just another way of saying, I lowered my standards You know, keep looking, keep searching. There's an answer out there. You just have to find it. You just have to find the right person, the right expert. Or, you know, just don't give up. Don't accept it. Because we have a rate of 60% of chronic disease in in our country. And when we feel these things, it can actually look normal. Because we have such a high rate of sickness. And the fact is, if you're healthy you're actually the weird one. You're part of the 40%. You're in the minority. And uh, so just, you know, sick, overweight, and depressed is not normal. Okay. And cl- my clients, my uh, or, or my uh, wellness partners who come in, who have, or, or anyone who has a slow, steady rise in blood sugar will have a more controlled insulin response. So they not only will feel less hungry, but they'll have more energy and have that you know, feel good factor. Dietitians, personal trainers, health coaches, and so on all make the same mistake in, in, in thinking. If it fits your, your macronutrients, you can have it. So they will come up with a diet plan for their clients where, okay, you're going to eat uh, 50, 55% carbs, 20% fats, and 25% protein. And they'll do that based on, you know, they'll talk to their clients, what's your goals for, you know, whether it's weight gain, weight loss, maintenance, build muscle, whatever their goals are, and they'll put that together. So for the 1% of very rare individuals who have no food sensitivities to any macronutrients, that approach can work. That'll be great. However, 99% of people are being set up to fail, and the reason is because 99% of people have at least one food sensitivity. So by not testing your DNA, that's going to put, the, they put their clients at risk. Okay, they're, they're, and they're setting them up to fail. When you know the food that's al- aligned with your genetics, you're going to succeed, you're going to feel amazing, and that's a huge win. I want to talk now about one of the weight loss myths out there. And that myth is that most people succeed on weight loss programs. The fact is the largest study on weight loss has shown that diets do not work for the vast majority and may even put lives at risk. You can initially lose 5 to 10% of your weight um, on any number of diets. And this is according to researcher Dr. Tracy Mann at UCLA. But she said, this is her quote, but after the honeymoon period, the weight comes back. The majority of people regained all the weight plus more sustained weight loss was found only in a small minority of participants these uc researchers analyzed more than 30 studies involving thousands of dieters and all the, although the overview did not name specific weight loss plans some of the more popular diets in most recent years include the low carb high protein diets systems that depend on powdered meal replacement shakes and prepackaged foods made by that company so that you now become dependent on their products. Or the, the most current recent ones are the high healthy fat diets, which is crazy because the amount of calories you're eating, I don't care if it is a healthy fat, that's great that it's healthy fat, but it's still too many calories. And then the water fasting is another big one. And we talked a little bit about that uh, a couple episodes ago on how you're going to go into muscle wasting. Okay, if you're doing more than one day, more than a 24-hour fast, I guarantee you, your body is going to go into muscle wasting. So those are some of the the recent trends. So the problem is, you know, up to two-thirds of dieters put all the weight back on and half in one study were more than 11 pounds heavier. In fact, in one study, volunteers ended up heavier in the weight loss program than those who had not tried to lose weight. So that's crazy. Why does this happen? Well, it's because we focus too much on weight loss and we don't focus on health. And when we do that, you undermine your hormones and damage your metabolism. You know, we do these extreme things to lose weight. And it can be a diet plan, or it can even be these extreme exercise plans that people do, and, and it's just a matter of time till they get hurt, so that there's that part of it, the injury part of it. And the reason we see this happen over and over and over and over and over and over again, every decade, it's a new trend every five years is because people don't know, and they don't understand what works for their metabolic DNA profile. We get caught up in the fads and the quick fixes because we just want something to work, right? We're all looking for something. We want to succeed. So trust me when I say there is a plan out there that works for everyone, but it has to be completely designed for you. It has to fit you. And the vast majority of those who ride this conveyor belt that I talked about to misery and suffering have made more poor, they've made poor choices over a long period of time. And the saddest thing is that most of the riders didn't even know they were making poor choices. They listened to trusted voices, but the voices were not coming from those versed in preserving health. They were voices coming from those versed in sickness care and symptom masking drugs. And although drugs are necessary at times, right, they will save lives. But they're not the tools to restore health. If they did, you wouldn't need to keep taking them right? So let me tell you what creates this picture of sickness and disease in case you don't already know. Many of my peers, doctors, dietitians, health professionals have told me you need to eat smaller, more frequent meals throughout the day to keep my metabolism working more efficiently for better results. So I looked at my DNA profile And when I looked at how it affects my metabolism, I saw that they could not have been more wrong if their last name was wrong, if they lived on the corner of Wrong Street in the city of Wrong. Okay, remember, we are all very complex. We're all very unique. The generic one-size-fits-no-one approach is going the way of the dinosaur, and it could not happen fast enough. Our healthcare is so far behind our science that Silicon Valley biohackers have not only surpassed our doctors, they've left them in the dust. Now, knowledge out of biohackers surpasses the entire medical profession whose entire focus is still on what's the newest magic pill. They really are no better than the diet fad industry. You know, the new magic pill fad usually lasts about 12 months until they found out, oops, it causes heart disease. Or, oops, it causes liver failure. There's no such thing as a drug without a side effect, right? There isn't. It's just a matter of time until we find it. Last night, I was at the gym working out, and I looked up at the TV, and I saw an old friend on the television. And this man is a very highly respected doctor in the public health department. And he was on there pitching some new drug, And I get so fed up watching doctors that never talk about actual steps to improve their health. But I know that he would not be on the six o'clock news um, if he was talking about health, okay? Because there's no profit when people get healthy. And it's just sad to see. All right, I wanna move on to metabolic adaptation. Metabolic adaptation is one of the many reasons why people hit a plateau. They struggle with fat loss or they have rebound weight gain. Hitting one of these roadblocks is often your body's response to a starvation diet. Hormones and micronutrients, and we all remember what micronutrients are, right? The vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, the probiotics, the omega-3s. Okay, they drive your body systems. Okay, your your body systems, these micronutrients are the drivers of the body systems. They're the they're responsible for the cell communication. We talked about that. And not just the, not just the micronutrients, the hormones as well. And it's the job of your hormones to adapt to the ever-changing environment around us. Okay, so when it's cold outside, our hormones shift so that we heat up our body. When we eat, our hormones shift so that we um, the food is dif- distributed either through into fat burning or into fat storing. When we exercise, our hormones shift. When we're around. Uh, Toxins, um, toxic chemicals, even, you know, things, uh, lotions that we put on our skin, okay, uh, any, all, anything, these are all going to cause shifts in our hormones and, and, and change our, our metabolism, okay, so that's metabolic adaptation, and when hormones lose their ability to adapt because they've gone so far out of balance, That's when chronic disease hits and takes hold. If calories are dropped too low, too fast, your metabolism can be damaged and it will adapt quickly, causing you to hit plateaus faster, gain weight back quicker, and lead to sickness and and eventually disease. This can also happen when people go for long periods of fasting or intermittent fasting. So lifestyle choices could be the very thing that is keeping you from achieving your goals. Sadly, intermittent fasting without knowing your DNA metabolic profile can cause a, a neg- negative response for some people. It really just depends on the person and their genetic code because we are all different. So it, it's, it's going to make a difference in achieving and succeeding in our goal for optimal health and wellness. From an evolutionary standpoint the bodies that were best able to survive in times of scarcity were those that could use energy efficiently to get by on smaller amounts of food on an er- erratic basis okay so the body naturally slowed their metabolism down to adapt and survive so for those who have moderate to high starvation response it means that if you go for long periods of time without eating the body kicks into survival mode and stores food as fat, and downregulates fat burning because it doesn't know when it's going to get the next meal. This is going to sabotage and progress you, or, or sorry, it's going to sabotage your progress if your goal is to lose fat, burn fat. So just coming back to epigenetics, um, which we talked about in the last episode, if your DNA requires a certain regimen to assure that your body is going to be fed on a regular basis so you can get your body working for you as opposed to against you. You need to set up the right environment so you can get the results that you want. Once you get to there, it's even more important to build metabolism so you can maintain that happy place where you're at. The health and fitness space is very overwhelming, right? But when we know how our bodies work at a scientific level, we can quiet all that noise and focus on what really works for us. So the good news is you're not handcuffed by your genes. Lifestyle trumps genetics every time. That's epigenetics. Epigenetics simply means you can't change your DNA but you do have the ability to switch genes on and switch them off based on the choices you make with how you live. When I reviewed my DNA, And compare it to other clients and and patients and and wellness partners. It's really crazy to see how different we really are. Alright, that's all for today. I hope you guys found this helpful and I look forward to talking to you next time.